Conversations. Welcome back to another episode of Med Conversations. I'm presuming that you're listening to them serially and you've just finished the last <laughs> one. And now today I'm just, this is going to be a very special podcast where we've got a guest guest star, um, unknown to the Med Conversations series before. Go ahead and introduce yourself, guest star. Good day, everybody. It's a Davor here. <laughs> yeah, I assume everyone binge watches, binge listens, right? <laughs> yeah. They're just like feeling terrible about themselves after like 24 hours of listening to Med yeah, Conversations. Yeah, there's like subreddits, about, <laughs> just like Game of Thrones, uh, <laughs> estimating what's going to happen next lots of law theories (laughs) speaking of law theories maybe a little congratulations should go out am i allowed to share details about your personal life here uh yeah sure oh yeah davo and beck just got engaged which i think a lot of you didn't even know that they were in a relationship so step one (laughs) and beck are dating step two they're now engaged and soon to be married yeah yeah made conversation celebration thank you Mm. uh yeah so today i thought you know, I've been doing neurology for a little while now, um, but I like to think I haven't. Been lo- the traps. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think I haven't lost sight of what uh, what non-neurologists like to like to know about. So, I thought I wanted to do Dravet syndrome, but that was too big a topic. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the pathophysiology of Dravet syndrome. <laughs> the next forty minutes. It's riveting. Trust me, we've just gone through it once. <laughs> nah. Yanking your chain. We're going to be talking about um, first seizure, which is a, which is a very important topic. Mm. So before we um, leap into some cases, which are very interesting because they're neurological, um, we'll be talking about just some basic info. So first of all, if you've got seizures, how do you classify them? And uh, <laughs> neurologists being massive nerds have, um, have called their international body on epilepsy, the international league or against epilepsy, which uh, which sounds very it's the cool. best best name ever. You've got some guy with a sword, <laughs> yeah. and <old> saber, <laughs> rattling it. Yeah, He's the cast, epilepsy cast surgeon. Characters, yeah. <laughs> um, and so they've they've kind of um, classified it into two main things. So you've got your focal seizures and your generalized seizures. Um, so your generalized seizures is when like basically essentially the whole brain is going at once, and there's not much of a lead in in one particular part of the brain. Probably some of you are asking the somewhat philosophical question saying, yeah, it has to start somewhere though, right? And you're probably right. Strictly speaking, there is even a generalized seizure will start in one particular small part of the brain. Um, But the whole brain is abnormal. It spreads to the rest of the brain like wildfire. So for intents and purposes, it's the whole brain. It's a generalized seizure. Um, And then the other type of seizure, Rahul? That's a focal seizure. Mm -hmm. And that's my input for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Which is where it's very clearly starting in one part of the brain. And it can then go to a generalized seizure, but there's quite a bit of a delay of seconds and minutes. And there's very clearly just one spot in the brain or one localized network where the seizure starts. Just for those of you who aren't receiving uh, neurology quarterly, um, <laughs> is, uh, there are, so that there was this is a fairly recent definition. Uh, and previously, it was known as partial and generalized. Yeah, seizures. exactly. So, yeah. so now focal and generalized. It's made all the difference to the seizure world. <laughs> Um, yeah, and focal seizures, just as an aside, so this is a bit of a tangent I'm going off on here, has become increasingly important in epilepsy uh, because even though it doesn't really matter which type of drugs you give, like there's a lot of drugs that cover both focal and generalized, increasingly we're moving towards epilepsy surgery to, to um, fix people with epilepsy. Um, and there, as you can imagine, it's very important to nail down exactly where it's coming from. Mm. Uh, and just as another tangent, all this... Um, there's going to be a lot of tangents, I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm probably the one who should that. be stopping. I'm just going to willfully let this go on. Uh, yeah, this, this, there's International League Against Epilepsy, uh, and its cast of characters has two Australians on it. Um, oh, I didn't realize it was actually... I thought it was just a name of a whole... Probably, probably a whole society, but there's actually a league of certain gentlemen. Women. Yeah, they sit around a round table. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they are often on the Captain Nemo's underwater submarine. <laughs> uh, no, but the, the the group is headed up by a couple of Australians, actually, from the Austin. Um, and they, oh, from the Austin, yeah, from the Austin, not yeah, from yeah. the Centre of Excellence for Brains, Royal Melbourne. No, the other ah. Centre of Excellence, the Austin. Yeah, um, <laughs> so many. <laughs> which, uh, yeah, which is really cool. So. They're, and they, they were the two that kind of drove this whole reclassification of seizures. What are their names? So Sam Berkovich uh-huh. um, and Ingrid Sheffer. Oh, Ingrid Sheffer. I've heard that name before. Yeah. She's a pediatric neurologist. This is quite a terrible <laughs> <laughs> We are going deep. 
<laughs> All right, let's cut back into the podcast now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Davo, we've defined a little bit about what a seizure is. So, mm. uh, discordant electrical activity in the brain, and I'm sure you've taken some offense to the way I've described it there, not being 100% correct. But tell me then what can be the causes of a seizure? How can I group them? Aside from, foc- well, focal and generalized tells me more about where they're working, but what are the causes underlying that? So the International League uh, of Extraordinary Epileptologists has, uh, again, helped us out here. So they divide causes into six things. Um, so structural, uh, which is when you've got a brain tumor or a fo- focal cortical dysplasia, or just something in the brain that's causing focal seizures. What is a focal cortical dysplasia? You threw that out there casually. Uh, yeah, everyone knows that. We don't yeah, we'll that, right? back. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about what that is. Um, and then you've got more generalized causes, so infectious, uh, metabolic, uh, immune, uh, genetic and unknown. So to just go through those again, you've got structural, infectious, metabolic, immune, genetic, and unknown. So structural, as Davo said, can include both brain tumors, but also probably the other really common structural one would be strokes, prior yeah, strokes. So yeah. just having a big exactly. part of your brain missing or... Yeah. You know, yeah. The things you pick up on an MRI. Mm. But keep those in the back of your mind as we go through the cases. All right, so case one. Um, so you're, you're an ED intern and you're looking through the triage notes and uh, you've listened to this podcast. You're like, man, I would love for a seizure to come in. And uh, lo and behold, there's a 20-year-old man who has been brought to ED following a seizure. So before we leap into the history and how I think you should take it, um, what, what are the three questions in the back of your mind? What, you know, what are you trying to answer when you approach this case? So I think the first thing is, is this definitely a seizure or am I dealing with something else that's masquerading as a seizure? Very common misdiagnosis um, for people to call any kind of uh, change in conscious state a seizure. Um, And so what are your differentials? So you've got your two types of seizures. So for your generalized seizures, what are your two main differentials? So those those are the generalized seizures being the ones that affect the whole brain and Mm. they're usually going to have more significant... um, significant presentations in you know probably loss of consciousness or impaired consciousness and you know uh, major movements so you're going to think of more stuff like syncope mm. um where you actually you know become unconscious due to a lack of blood mm. flow to the brain yeah. or something functional where someone mm. you know loses consciousness perhaps for more of a psychological reason am i is that am i yeah. appropriately phrasing that in the new uh politically correct terms <laughs> it changes every day yeah. Yeah. so the league in all their wisdom um so they've they've called what used to be called pseudo seizures, they've called them psychogenic non-epileptic seizures. Which for, the, for, the, for those of you that are quick enough, uh, the acronym which is which you'll see across medical notes is PNES. Penis. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, talking about penis. Well, well thought out acronym. Well thought out name. <laughs> Um, so that so that's generalized seizures. So your differential for generalized seizures basically two things: syncope or or PNES. Um, and then if you've got focal seizures, so your differential is a bit broader there, as you can imagine. Yeah. So focal seizures present with more of a, a focal symptom, say, mm. you know, an arm moving, a change in sensation somewhere mm. particular, but they mm. generally, you know, maintain their conscious state. There are, there are a subset that have impaired mm. conscious state. Mm. Mm. And so that's where you start to think of things like a TIA or a stroke where someone has focal weakness mm. um, or, or a migraine where someone can get focal problems with their vision or weakness or sensation changes. Mm. And then there's the more weird stuff like transient global amnesia, mm-hmm. which is a condition where someone suddenly becomes amnestic for a period of time. 24 they get, hours. Yeah, yeah they, they forget everything that happens to them in that 24 hours, which is kind of terrifying. Mm. Uh, panic attacks can have sort of these somatic symptoms as well, which can appear a bit like a seizure. Parasomnias or any difficulty sleeping, so sort of you know, uh, sleepwalking, that sort of thing can mm-hmm. be misinterpreted as a seizure. Mm. Dementia, um, with the fluctuations of dementia appearing to be a seizure. And yeah. Uh, so just on that last one, it's something I've kind of been more aware of this year is that particularly people that are very smart at baseline, highly educated, intelligent people, when they've got dementia or early stage dementia, often comes out in these like fluctuations where, you know, they're a little bit tired or they've got an infection or for whatever reason and then you suddenly they, they lose the ability to speak very well. And, and that can look like a seizure because they're not compensating for it anymore. And I suppose, but something to be aware of is that there is a higher risk of seizures in people with dementia because exactly they have right. a structural abnormality in their brain. Yeah, exactly right. So question one, is this definitely a seizure um, with your differentials for generalized syncope or PNES and differentials for focal seizures stroke or TIA, migraine, 
uh, transient global amnesia, panic attacks, parasomnias, fluctuations in dementia symptoms, um, and again, PNES. Um, so large differential list. Okay. All right, so that's question one. So question two, so you, you've established this is definitely a seizure. What's the next thing you're going to ask? Well, coming back to what we were talking about before, I want to know whether this is a focal seizure that originates in one part of the brain mm-hmm. or whether this is a generalized seizure that has the onset at both in both hemispheres of the brain. And again, that is important both for drug therapy and potentially for surgical therapy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And to answer that question, there's two things you've got to particularly look at. So you've got to really nail down, was there an aura? Because if there's an aura, that's a focal seizure. Uh, and why is that, double? Uh, because it means that there's a particular... An aura is not really an aura. It's actually just the seizure itself. Mm. Um, it's a bit of a misnomer, to be honest. Um, and that's that's the early seizure. So we'll, we'll talk about some auras um, in a second. So it means that, you know, that that the sensation they're getting, whether it's, you know, left hand weakness, that's actually the seizure is starting in exactly, that area of the exactly brain. Exactly right, mm. exactly. Um, and then the other thing you can look at is what what happened at the onset of the seizure. So you can either ask the patient themselves or or more often uh, ask for some collateral. And if you get a good history of, you know, the right arm shaking first, that makes a, a focal seizure much more likely. Mm. So that's question two. Was it focal or generalized? What's question three? What was the cause of the seizure? And that sort of is a multi-layered question. You know, mm. what's the immediate cause and mm. what's the long term? What's the big picture here? Why is this person having seizures? Yeah. So the, both the trigger, um, which is something like sleep deprivation or the background cause, which is often genetic or something like that. And uh, you, you answer this question by digging into the background. So you, when you take a history, you've always got to frame your history by finding out what was happening kind of in the distant past and the recent past. So once more, those three questions, is it definitely a seizure? Is it a focal seizure or is it a generalized seizure? And then what was the trigger and the root cause of the seizure? All right, so let's go through uh, the history for this for this patient. Um, so the first thing I want to say about taking a history or seizure history, really any history, but particularly seizures, is to go chronologically uh, because you start right from the beginning and then you, you start to build up a nice frame for you know the event that happened today, which is very useful. Um, all right, so if we take that kind of approach, Rahul, so you're going to ask about the background first, kind of the the distant past for this patient, this 20-year-old guy. Yeah, so I mean, I, and you know, Darbara and I were talking about this before, I like to take a history generally starting with the past medical history, whether I look at the notes or whether I ask the patient directly, which Mm. can take some time if they Mm. have an extensive past medical history. Mm. But at least once you know their past medical history, you have a bit of a canvas or a background on which to understand what is happening now as opposed to going in then realizing that there's a whole bunch of things that are related to this, which would explain everything, and you've asked, you spent way too long taking and presenting the exactly, work because it's exactly, very obvious. Exactly right. So yeah. starting with the past medical history, and then particularly important in seizures is the developmental history. So exactly right. Yeah. Uh, so Rahul is just looking at me with some fear in his eyes, <laughs> <laughs> and that's <Yeah>. important because <laughs> uh, yeah. So developmental history is very important. You know how. Uh, is there any history of kind of cerebral palsy or mild cerebral palsy or did they hit all their milestones? And a particularly important question to ask is uh, febrile seizures. Did they have any febrile seizures, which is a very common condition in children and um, significantly increases their risk for hippocampal sclerosis, which we'll talk about more in a little bit. Um, but uh, it's an important cause of seizures. So you've got your developmental history. The other really important thing to ask about the background is family history. Like uh, seizures, as we said before, one of the common causes is genetic. So um, often these, these people will have a strong family history of seizures. And so that's kind of the distant past. And then you've got to ask more about the kind of lead up to this event. So the very first thing you want to know is like, has this happened before? Have you had a seizure before like this? And you got to cast a pretty wide net there because one, people's seizure, sort of semiology, seizure, seizure type can change over time. And so they might have just had some unusual stuff in the past like jerks or staring spells, mm. um, which would potentially represent seizure activity, but maybe not interpreted like that by the patient or their family. Exactly right, yeah. And a particularly common one to ask um, for young people who've had seizures, like, did you get did you get falsely accused of not paying attention in school much? Were you were, the, were you persecuted by teachers for just staring blankly mm, out the window? Rightly and- accused. <laughs> rightly accused. <laughs> uh, and yeah, if if that is the case, you may have a reasonable story for absent seizures. And then the final bit of the background that I think is really important is what happened in the exact lead up to the seizures. Um, you know, were they 
drinking a lot of alcohol, taking recreational drugs, or started on a new medication, or did they have diarrhea and uh, likely to be metabolic, metabolically unwell, or some kind of other infection? Were they sleeping well? So you're looking for kind of more triggering factors here. Mm. Um, so in this case, um, no past medical history, normal developmental history, no family history, but um, he has just come back from a music festival where he admits to drinking pretty heavily and not sleeping all that much. So that's mm. this case. So we've got a bit of a you've got a bit of a trigger for a seizure here. Merciful so, times. <laughs> that's what he said actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> much merriment and mirth was had <laughs> at the festival. <laughs> Uh, then yeah. you got to get a description of the event. So yeah. you got all this the good background. Yeah. Where now we're down at the main main event with Joe Rogan, <laughs> Joe Rogan commentating. Yeah. And where do you start with that, Davo? Uh So the the question I like to ask was like, did you have any warning? Did you know anything was up, or did this come bang out of nowhere? Um, and so that will often lead people to describe an aura of some sort, and they might say, yeah, actually, I had a bit of a rising sensation in my in my tummy feeling like something was happening or well, I didn't want to say anything but I kind of felt like there was some petrol around just yeah, before this happened I had just snor- sniffed some petrol so I wasn't sure whether it was that <laughs> or because <laughs> I hallucinated it was a good music festival though <laughs> much merriment and mirth <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that that would kind of if you have those kind of symptoms, that makes a seizure more likely, and then and it you, also makes it more likely to be a focal seizure, as Starve also said before. Exactly right. Yeah, and then you can also ask some kind of uh, lead up questions that might point you more in the direction of syncope or a cardiac symptom. So you can you can always ask the three questions that are in a cardiac history. Um, you can cut that down to two if you're being pretty good about it. <laughs> so did you, always, get always pain? Oh, <laughs> did wow, you get chest pain? Palpitations. <laughs> Shortest you get shortness of breath. Three questions. We're yeah. done here. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, from a vasovagal point of view, um, for establishing whether or not there was any triggering emotional or physical events. So did they just have a coughing spell, mm. use the bathroom, mm. you know, find out that their great-granduncle's third budgie died mm. uh, and collapse him. Yeah, a good a good way to ask this part of the history is just find out exactly what were you doing, what were you feeling. Just let the patient talk of it, and a lot of like very interesting and relevant details will come out. Mm. Um, and it's very important to like really nail down those aura symptoms if you get them, because they can be very important in eventually localizing the seizure. So that's the lead up. So then you got, then you then you got the main event, the actual event. Um, so sometimes you're lucky and you can get this. I thought one. we were already at the main event. Yeah, this is, that was we the, were just that standing was, outside. Yeah, that was the undercard. Yeah, All right. Yeah, waiting so in line to get in. This walking into the ring. Now we're in the ring. <laughs> Fight uh, music is over. It's time to go. <laughs> um, so sometimes you get that from the actual patient if it's a focal seizure and they've retained awareness. And they might be able to tell me, yeah, like, uh, you know, my right hand had some tingling and it was shaking. But often the case um, you need from collateral, which is actually the case in this in this um, case, um, and the particular questions you really want to focus on was, as we said before, any focal onset? Was there some part of the body that was going before the rest? Um, or was it just a generalized tonic-clonic seizure? Um, and the really important question is how long did it last? Um, you know, was it 30 seconds, 60 seconds or longer? If it's really long, that means they're either in status or like a very severe um, seizure or much more commonly it's a psychogenic non-epileptic seizure a penis if you will the burden of the epilepsy world well. <laughs> we made a huge mistake <laughs> I don't know who, how did that get through like terrible anyway um so in this case you go from the collateral and you have good generalized tonic clonic seizure they were tonic first and then some clonic movements uh, there was no focal onset and the whole thing lasted about 30 seconds like they could have just called it a non-epileptogenic psychogenic a non-epileptic they could have put the words in a different yeah, order that you yeah. could, like it seems intentional a seizure of non-epileptic yeah, psychogenic like a very Im- immature neurologist <laughs> yeah trying to brighten their day a snap yeah. that would be even better Anyway, um, yeah, not to be. Mm. Um, anyway, so so that's the main event, and so then of course we're in chronological order. So the next thing we talk about Rahul is. Uh, uh, Can you figure this uh, out? Uh, uh, after the event. That's after right. the event. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Good job. Um, so this is actually really relevant. It's often forgotten, um, but what happened afterwards can give you a lot of clues as to whether this was a seizure or not. So there's three things you particularly ask for to see 
so that raises your suspicion that this was an actual seizure. Um, so first of all, post-ictal confusion. Um, so often for about 20 minutes or half an hour, people won't be oriented or sometimes behave aggressively even. Ictal means seizure, by the way. No, ictal means events. Ictal means event, it, by the way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can, there's lots of different types of ictai. Really? Yeah. Definitely. Should we have some good ictai this weekend? <laughs> Is it yeah. appropriate use of the the next thing you look for is uh, tongue biting. So, and particularly on the edge of the tongue. Tip of the tongue, less likely to be a seizure, but if they've bitten the edge of their tongue, much more likely to be a seizure. What? Really? Mm. Why is that? Mm, I don't know. Just how it works out. Mm, okay. Uh, and then the final thing you ask about is incontinence. So, did they lose control of their bladder? So, three things postictal confusion, tongue biting, and incontinence. And if they have those three, it makes an actual seizure much more likely. Um, in this case, there was tongue biting and postictal confusion. All right, so Rahul, let's review the case. What do you think? So question one, what was that? That was... Is this a seizure? And what's the answer here? Yes. Well done. Um, so it was a generalized tonic-clonic seizure. Good story. It was an appropriate length for a seizure. There was tongue biting and postictal confusion. So that's a lot of evidence that this was an actual seizure. Question two, what type of seizure? Sounds like a generalized to me. So he came in, he was, did we say that? He was generalized, shaking mm, around. Yep. yep. <laughs> shaking around. <laughs> shakes. Um, yeah. So yeah, there was no evidence that there was a focal seizure, no oral, no focal onset. It's important to note though that, uh, you know, we haven't definitively diagnosed the generalized seizure. You need to look at imaging to see if there's any triggering things in the brain and you need to look at the EEG. If you capture a seizure on EEG, that's how you definitively tell whether it's um, focal or generalized. All right, and so then question three, what caused the seizure? So in this situation, it was merriment and mirth, I believe. Mm. Um, yeah, the inha- inhalation of petrol, perhaps? Uh, no. 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 Okay. Uh, no, that, was, that was a joke that we made. Okay. That well, wasn't part of the case. <laughs> the drink, drinking the petrol. You drank <laughs> the petrol. <laughs> uh, so no, yeah, so there was drinking sleep deprivation. So obviously, we've all done that from time to time, maybe, um, and we haven't all had seizures. So... It maybe means that there may be some kind of underlying condition, maybe a genetic epilepsy, given it looks like it was generalized and it was unmasked by merriment and mirth. Mm. All right, case the, two. The great unmasker. Mm. All right, so case two. So that that was just kind of our how to run through, or Davos, how to run through seeing a first seizure. But mm. now we're going to just talk about some cases of other types of seizures just to highlight how they present yeah so we won't we won't make you go through that whole thing five times um so this is the information six times <laughs> this, this is the information that you would have got if you'd taken that kind of chronolo- chronological history so this one's a 22 year old lady who's um her background um you figure out that she's got a history of febrile seizures um but otherwise she's never had any seizures or anything that sounds like a seizure uh, and then the event itself was preceded by rising epigastric sensations and deja vu and the smell of petrol. Um, and then and then you get a collateral history which says she just stopped. It was like someone pulled out the plug. Um, and then after that, she started fidgeting with her left hand in quite a repetitive motion. Like it looked like she was just doing the same thing over, exact same thing over and over with her left hand. And then she cried out. Um, or, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> uh, and then after the event, um, she was confused for a few minutes, but not 20 minutes, just like a, a few minutes. And then she was completely back to normal. And during this kind of confused part, she um, wiped her nose with her right hand. Oh, clues. Clues abound. Clues everywhere, Rahul. You as excited as I am to hear what Davil breaks, how Davil breaks this down. I'm excited for how you break it down, Rahul. All right, here it comes. I think this is a focal seizure, Davil. In fact, I think it's a focal seizure of temporal lobe epilepsy. Yeah, exactly. What side? Uh, <laughs> uh, what side did she... Uh, what happened so she hand wiped hand? her nose with her right hand. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, that's called the nose wipe sign. Uh, <laughs> as an adept neurologist, I think that means that it's coming from the right side. That's right, yeah. Uh, all right, well, don't worry. We'll break that down a little bit more. Um, and <laughs> Imagine if that's all we said. <laughs> all right, the end. <laughs> Have fun taking your questions. <laughs> I've got so many referrals over the next week. This guy wiped his nose. Yeah. <laughs> He's got temporal epilepsy. We should give you Davos' mobile number so you can call him directly about any nose wiping activity you see. <laughs> I want to know, guys. <laughs> Neurological emergency. <laughs> Especially within yourself. 
Um, so, and the, the third question, Rahul, that we always try and answer, what's the cause? Yep. Do we have anything so, to point towards here? Well, uh, so we know that it's... Um, we don't know. We don't know anything. Uh, well, we have... So if it's temporal lobe epilepsy, we'd presume it's related to hippocampal sclerosis, though. It's not always, not but, always. but in this case, we think it might be. Mm. Yeah. So we'll talk about that, why that is in a second. Right now, actually, it's the next, the <laughs> next Welcome step. to the next second. <laughs> <laughs> the next point on my PowerPoint uh, is that febrile seizures are a cause of hippocampal sclerosis. So she's got a strong history of febrile seizures and a good story for temporal lobe epilepsy. So you put those things together and you think, oh, maybe this is hippocampal sclerosis. Which basically means calcification or scarring of... Well, scarring, scarring, not so much calcification. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say that. You said <laughs> that. Um, of the uh, hippocampi, which are the memory storing parts of your brain. That's correct. That's yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and so then you look at the aura next which has got a good story for a temporal lobe epilepsy aura so this is really good to know for med students doing mcqs any question you get with a deja vu in it probably don't need to read the rest of it um and it's temporal lobe epilepsy mm. in an mcq setting not in it not in a real life <laughs> setting um so deja vu and rising gastric sensation is really classic for temporal lobe epilepsy other things you might get is a olfactory hallucination um gustatory hallucination or an auditory hallucination gustatory being taste mm, so me- metallic taste they often say that comes from the italian gustatore yeah. i don't know if that's true but it sounds pretty good so that's the aura um, and then the actual seizure itself is also very consistent with the temporal lobe epilepsy so she had an ictal cry which Rahul <laughs> beautifully demonstrated um, and she also had automatism which are like a stereotype movement are usually lateralized um, so more on one side than the other side or just on one side so that fidgeting that was doing the same thing over and over again and then she also had that behavioral arrest which was described as if someone pulled out the plug so suddenly stops everything yeah and then and there was a very short post ictal period so that's all very consistent with temporal lobe epilepsy so a couple of things i wanted to say so rahul very cleverly worked out uh which side it was on so that was because as he said the nose wipe sign and very common in temporal lobe epilepsy not exactly understood why but people have an urge to wipe their nose after the seizure happens and they use their hand that wasn't involved in the seizure usually so she used her right hand um, which is controlled by the left hemisphere um, so that means the left hemisphere wasn't involved which points to the right hemisphere because remember the pathways towards the, the, motor, decus- the motor nerves yeah, yeah swap yeah. over in the medulla so, exactly right. so if the left hand was moving during the seizure like it was in her then yeah. it implies that the other side was mm. where the seizure came from so mm. the right side mm. exactly the other thing I wanted to mention about this case is um, she had this behavioral arrest, um, which people commonly describe as an absent seizure. Um, and strictly speaking, that's not an absent seizure, and you can't really get an absent seizure at adult onset. Um, but it's worth, it, if someone describes an absent seizure to you, don't dismiss it, oh, it can't be a seizure because they're 50. Um, they may have had them for a long time. Well, no, they, they may have had something else, like a temporal lobe seizure that looks like an absent seizure to someone. Right. Yeah. All right, cool. Next case. Um, so this is an 18-year-old lady. Um, so the background history here is... Is lady the appropriate name yeah. for an 18-year-old? I think you're a lady at 18. Okay. Strict, that's in the eyes of the law, you're a lady. <laughs> lady. So the background here is um, she did often get in trouble in school for staring spells. Um, and uh, she also, when you dig into it, she used to drop her wheat bix all the time in the morning. Very unladylike. Just very clumsy. Well, she wasn't a lady back then. Oh, yeah. Um, in her kind of early teens, she used to she used to drop stuff in the morning all the time. She was like, she'd just lose control of one of her hands, which was quite odd. Um, but that was something you kind of had to draw out of her. And then this seizure has happened during schoolies. Um, Woo! On the Gold Coast. I think it's you. It's the kids say you. Y-E-W is what uh, they say. You. Zoomers. I'll never understand them. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I happened during schoolies where, again, she'd been drinking a lot and not sleeping very much. Um, so that's the background here. And then the event itself, there was no warning at all. Like, she was well one second, then bang, she found herself in hospital next. Uh, there were no focal features from the collateral, and it was a generalized tonic-clonic seizure lasting 30 seconds. And then after the event, um, there was a bit of tongue biting and some incontinence. And also there was some postictal confusion. She can't remember the ambulance right at all. And um, apparently she was like picking at the oxygen masks and stuff on the... On yeah, the interesting yeah. one. But so this is fitting more of my classic feeling of a seizure. So I've got someone who's 
Yeah, so question one, is this a seizure? Yes. Yeah. Question two, is it fake or generalized? Generalized sounds like to me. She was thrashing her out. She didn't remember anything that happened. Yeah. yeah. And question three, what was the cause? Schoolies, mate. Schoolies. Australia's biggest public health problem. <laughs> Schoolies. Exactly. Schoolies gave my daughter seizures. Yeah. Shut, that actually would be on the front page of her on Front page of the New Yorker. Lockout after 6 p.m. <laughs> my daughter had a seizure when she drank alcohol. Um, yeah so the immediate trigger was probably schoolies um, but the it's again the same kind of thing we talked about before where she probably has some kind of genetic generalized epilepsy that unmasked and a drum roll do you want to say which type of genetic generalized epilepsy she might have juvenile myoclonic epilepsy yeah she's got the triad um, what's the triad of myoclonus uh, what is myoclonus, David? So, so like a sudden uh, loss of tone, basically, mm. or increase in tone, but like a very sharp jerk. It has to be across a joint, as I understand. So you actually have to move a whole joint. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, she's got that. And then she's also got these probable absence seizures. She's got a good story for that. And then she's got a generalized tonic-clonic seizure. So things to say about Jamie. Um those, those three things in case anyone can hear some heavy breathing it's not because Darvor and I are <laughs> engaging in some heavy petting there's a couple of well there are some heavy pets behind us asleep so yeah, I've got obstructive sleep apnea. <laughs> yeah. needs to get a little, little cat C- CPAP, CPAP mask CPAP mask CPAP CCAT right. <laughs> it's a marketing uh, dream yeah. <laughs> cat pap right. uh, and so the other thing I want to say about Jamie was it's a very lifestyle dependent epilepsy again it's very classic for it to come out during schoolies. Uh, no, the only thing that comes out during schoolies, eh, mate? <laughs> yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. Uh, Double came out during schoolies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so next case. So, 35-year-old lady. She's uh, never had a seizure before. She's had a lot of issues with mood, and um, she's had significant recent family stress. So that's a background here. And then the event itself, there's a video, thankfully. She's got a lot of writhing movements, a lot of pelvic thrusting, it's fluctuating. Like, you know, one moment it's kind it's of like crescendoing and Michael decrescendoing. Michael Jackson dance routine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, at one stage, someone tries to open her eyes and she's like holding them shut. She just can't open her eyes. And it lasts a long time, lasts about 20 minutes. At some point, she just started moonwalking across yeah. the... <laughs> and while moonwalking, she's able to talk. Um, so she's able to talk during the seizure, despite having bilateral motor activity. And there was no postictal confusion whatsoever. All right, so three questions, Rahul. Is this a seizure? Not a seizure. Not a seizure. Probably a pseudo-seizure. Mm. Um, and so... I mean, that always comes back to that first question, which is, am I looking at a penis right <laughs> now? I mean, is this penis or not penis? Yeah, it's pattern recognition. It's right? not even neurology. I walk around the world just thinking, is this a penis or not a penis? Oh, God, what have you done to me? The league <laughs> betrayed me. Um, yeah, so not a seizure, so we can ignore the rest of the questions. Um, so the salient points here. So tips for pick, picking up psychogenic non-epileptic seizures. Um, uh, what? What's that? <laughs> Which, uh, the first thing is you got to look at the background unit. People who don't have any stress in their lives don't suddenly have psychogenic seizures. Um, so you got to pick out what's been happening, happening along, along the line. So we always used to joke around about which neurology registrar is most likely to get penis. Double um, <laughs> <laughs> one every time. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, it's the one that's the one that's coping with stress the worst. Um, and then, yeah, so this fluctuating activity is very typical as well. Um, so, the you know, a seizure will usually kind of decrescendo gradually and stop. But so it goes all the way up to a peak and then comes back yeah. down sort of yeah. thing as opposed it goes to in one direction, up yeah. and down one direction. This forced eye closure is very typical as well. Side to side body movements or pelvic thrusting. Where it happened, like a seizure that you from sleep, that's not likely to be psychogenic. But if it's on a train or something... 
More, uh, more about that in a second. Um, Ooh, saucy. <laughs> I once saw a guy who was having penis um, <laughs> after he just got caught shoplifting, and then at exactly that moment had a, a great defensive reaction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Is that the evolutionary basis? <laughs> Seems like something. There's some animal I'm sure that does exactly. <laughs> yeah, that. Just rolls over on its belly and just starts demands <laughs> penis. Moves <laughs> rhythmically uh, with pelvic thrusting. Um, and the other really important thing that I, this is what I found most useful is this, if they were able to talk while they had bilateral motor activity, very unlikely to be a real Mm. seizure. And the other hint is that they go for a long time and often these, these poor people get intubated and things. I guess the exception to the talking thing, Darvo, would be if it was a pseudogenic or psychogenic, um, focal seizure. You know, if, if someone was saying, oh, I'm having a seizure, I'm moving my hand, but they were still talking and they weren't moving anything Yeah, else. but that's, that's unilateral. So I'm saying if you've got bilateral motor activity. If you've got bilateral, yeah. Yeah, yes, if you you've got bilateral, that. like both their legs are shaking, both their arms are shaking, but they're talking to you, that's, hmm, that's a good point. much I mean, more likely to be psychogenic. So it has to be bilateral. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not a perfect rule. Nothing mm. is, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but it makes it, it's a like, it's all likelihood. I mean, it just really underscores what we're all thinking here, which is that penis is really hard. <laughs> it's very, very hard. <laughs> Initially, you don't pick it, and then you pick it all the time, you know. This, Tell us more about that, Tom. <laughs> it's the last, last joke. <laughs> last one. It's unbearable for our poor so, audience. So good. Um, yeah, it's terrible. But yeah, so the, my my story with um, psychogenic non-epileptic seizures, uh, which is common, I think, is initially you're a bit of a smart ass, and as soon as someone doesn't fit your generalized kind of chronic seizures, like ah, it's functional, it's functional, and then you start seeing some bit of trickier epilepsy after that, and you get it wrong, like horrifically wrong, a few times, like I have, and then you're like. I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> the world is a which, dark, confusing place. Which is where I am now. Uh, it's really difficult. Like, there's, there's not that much concordance amongst consultants. I find a lot of the time, like some consultants think everything's functional. Some consultants like seem to not believe in that diagnosis whatsoever. Yeah, I remember it's being really taught tricky. when I was junior that we should wait for a, essentially a neurology consultant should make the call of penis or not penis because. I'm just calling it by the term. That wasn't a joke. I'm just calling it by the term that it was. Um, but yeah, you should really let the neurology consultant, if not advanced trainee, yeah. but probably the consultant make the call for that yeah. it has huge implications for treatment down the line. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I want to say, so in this, they should usually have a reason, as I said, so people don't have uh, pseudo seizures for no reason. But just because someone has mood issues or has had stress in their lives doesn't make it psychogenic. Um the rate of mood issues in, in epilepsy patients is many-fold that of the rest of the, pop, the, of the population. The medications they're yeah, on cause exactly, mood issues, exactly. having a chronic disease. Exactly, mm. yeah, yeah. And, the, and the, 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 we theorize that the actual, sub, you know, the brain itself is affected in lots of ways, not just seizures. That's just one manifestation of it, right? And, and they have seizures when they're stressed out. They're not sleeping, and stress itself mm. is a trigger sometimes, so... Yeah, it's it is it is really really hard, but um, I encourage uh, when you're junior not to not to be too dismissive one way or another, mm. um, whether whether it's a pseudo seizure or not. Just languish in not making any decisions at mm. all, like mm. most neurologists mm. stare at mm. things for a long time and then leave. Mm. So one of one of my um, one of my proudest moments as a neurology registrar so far, um, where I get to act like a hero in public. Um, <laughs> is that have, all the time when you're in your own it doesn't happen that often but I was I was it'd been a long day um, it was kind of reasonably late at night and I got on the train in Heidelberg to, which is a long way from where I live to, to get back home and um so sitting on the train, and then I suddenly noticed that there's like this crowd of people around this this guy, um, and like, and I see someone in scrubs. And I'm like, oh, I'll just keep an eye on it. I can't really be can't be bothered dealing with this right now. <laughs> Good stand up citizen. Yeah, what he's <laughs> exactly. trying to tell you. So I keep looking at it, and um, yeah, then I, I see that the there's someone in scrubs, but they look like the uh you know they could do with some help so i, I walked down there and like hi i'm the, the neurology registrar she's that's like, how you introduced yourself i'm the neurology registrar yeah yeah the austin yeah. <laughs> i think that's fine um, <laughs> like was it, if it's if, you know if it's like a if it's another medical person you didn't yeah. say to the general no, product, no i said to the, the medical person registrar. like and I, don't, I don't want her to like you know, if it's someone having like a cardiac arrest, like I'm not going to read that. Right, <laughs> defining your boundaries. Okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm, and I said as a preface that I'm like, probably can't help that much. <laughs> that was the intention behind me saying, saying my name. And she's like, oh, that's, that's actually great. And I look at this guy and he's like, 
he's on the on the chair of the train is just kind of like shaking away and like oh is this a seizure and she's like yeah i think so um and so then i go up to the guy and the first thing i do is i want to look at his eyes i want to see if his eyes are deviated which is an important sign in seizures so i try and open his eyes and he's just like not letting me force force closing his mm-hmm. eyes and so then i like i just like get him off the chair and like lower him to the ground and like pat him a bit and it's like you're all right mate you're all right and then he just starts talking to me and it's like yeah yeah i think i'm all right uh, and then I like I get him back on the chair, um, and, and local hero Darbo saved <laughs> man who had nothing wrong with him. Um, no. <laughs> everyone should go to the old. You too might save someone who has nothing wrong with them. And uh, no, but the reason I'm really glad I went down because then, um, then finally the train like someone had called the, the um, driver obviously and he finally came down. He's like, oh, do I need to get the paramedics? Finally, the driver's here. <laughs> And I'm like, God, no. And I just stand, I just get this guy and, and take him off the train and pl- sit him down on the on the platform with um, with his friends. And I, and, I, and, I, and I talk to the like the train station guys. I'm like, I'll oh, just call an ambulance or whatever. Um, and then I get back on the train. Got, got to go home. <laughs> <laughs> you were the hero of the train. And everyone yeah, clapped and stood. Yeah. Um, did they? No. <laughs> no one did that. Uh, but I'm very glad I went down because I can't imagine like... Is this like, like a plane? Do you get upgraded to first class on the train? <laughs> if you? Sadly not. Um, yeah, but because like, if you don't know that it's a pseudo seizure, then obviously it's like a very scary thing. And like mm. they would have, you know, wouldn't have moved him. Like your paramedics would have to come on. So yeah. 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 So it can help in your daily life identifying... Did you ever get follow up on that? Whether or not it was a pseudo seizure? No idea. No idea. Maybe he has some rare seizure disorder. And this is again coming back to (laughs) your early neurology days. (laughs) (laughs) He's dead now. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure he's in one of our epilepsy clinics somewhere. Mm. Um, Okay. All right. One more case. 40-year-old lady. So the background here is um, she's had these events before. And she's previously been sent home from the emergency department as functional. So the event itself... She got dismissed as functional on a train by some <laughs> upstart neurology registrar. <laughs> so this event, um, she woke from sleep um, and uh, woke up her husband who took a video. It was just happened so many times before and he's been dismissed. And you look at the video and there's bizarre movements. There's no, they're not really rhythmic. She's flailing her legs and arms around everywhere. Um, and she's kind of yelling out and like, oh, here we go. Um, there's lots of movement. And then afterwards, there's not really any postictal confusion. She talks about some weakness of the legs, but that's it. So your kind of immediate reflex is uh, pseudo seizures, right? Is that what you would think, right? Sinking penis, yeah. Mm. Wrong. Front- <laughs> frontal lobe seizures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so frontal lobe seizures often cause these kind of hypermotor seizures, um, and they look they look functional for all the world. Hypermotor meaning just a lot of movement, mm, thrashing mm, around. Mm. Yeah, I strongly encourage you to have a look at some of these on YouTube. They look they look so functional. Like the the reason Dove was telling me about this, I was like, why why are we learning this? But yeah. apparently, it is the second most common focal seizure. Yeah. Focal seizure. Yeah, they're not that uncommon, and they often get dismissed as functional because they look so weird. Uh, and but the, the key I think hint in this case is the fact that it arose from sleep, which these seizures often do. Uh, and it's hard to have a functional seizure if you truly arose from sleep. Um, so that's very suspicious for an organic cause. Okay, all right. So they're the cases. We're nearly finished here. We'll just go quickly what you what you would do next with that first case. Um, so the, when you you've done taking the history, so obviously you got to examine them. So what are you what are you asking yourself when you're examining them? I, so the first thing I do when I examine them is, yeah, obviously making sure it is actually a seizure, but presuming it is, um, making sure they're not in status epilepticus. So. Yeah, so I think the key thing to get across here is status is not necessarily like generalized shaking. Mm. Um, kind of focal status. Yeah, like people will often just be confused. So when mm. someone's got this like still in, in quotation marks, post-ictal confusion, uh, you know, an hour plus after the event, you've got to be really worried about But what is the status. actual definition of status, though? Because I know there's been some change around that. Uh, put me on the spot here, I hope. But generally, we treat it as status when it's been more than five minutes. Yeah, yeah. okay. And they don't return back to their exactly, normal baseline yeah. or they have continued seizure activity. Yeah. So if someone gets better but doesn't get all the way better and then has another seizure, then... That's status. That's status. Yeah. That's status. So in that kind of setting, you need to urgently get an EEG tech and, and put some leads on their brain. And probably give them some benzodiazepines. Yeah, exactly right. Do you avoid doing that to avoid EEG being non No, no. Like if they're in status, they're... that's dangerous. So yeah. it's, if, they're, if their conscious state is good enough, you think, to handle a bit of benzos, 
um, then uh, then it's worth giving. And you you see you see this paradoxical improvement. Usually, you know, people become sleepier when you give them a benzo, but if they wake up more, then that's strong yeah. evidence that you're dealing with a seizure. So other things on examination. So you do you do have to do a neuro exam. Make sure that there's no focal neurology. That makes it much more likely that you're dealing with a structural abnormality. And you've got to look at the complications of their seizures. So make sure they don't have any fractures. Their lungs are clear. And have a look in their mouth. You know you can really kind of bite your tongue off with um with a bad seizure. Although the patient will probably tell that uh, to you themselves. All right. So test to do in ED. Um, so first you got your bloods. What are we doing on bloods, Rahul? Well, I prefer to call them labs. Um, I would look for a precipitant, so something like under deranged electrolytes, like hyponatremia. Um, I just run a usual septic screen, um, you know, blood cultures, maybe a CRP and FBE to make sure there's no infection going on. Uh, some LFTs that'll have implications both, you know, if there's liver failure, that can cause seizures, but also if you're going to consider drug therapy down exactly in right. the future. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, alcohol level and your urine drug screen, just to make sure those again those triggers aren't there. Yeah, that's a good list. Um, and also, if you're having trouble figuring out whether this is a psychogenic seizure or non-psychogenic seizure, otherwise known as a seizure. Here to a seizure. <laughs> Uh, you can look at some biomarkers of the seizure themselves. In a true, like, big generalized tonic-clonic seizure, you'll usually get a lactate rise and a white cell count rise. The lactate being because of tissue hypoxia, because you've got these flexed muscles, is that what? Yeah. And yeah. probably not breathing properly as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there are some other things you can look at as well. You can do a CK, prolactin, or LDH, but that's often not done. Um, the other and thing, they're not that useful. They're not, they're not, yeah. It's not a definitive test either way. Mm. They're not that sensitive or specific. Um, and then make sure you look at the ECG and ED. It could still be cardiac. We've all been fooled. Um, so you've got to look carefully for long QT and for evidence of heart block elsewhere. Send them my way. And then I think everyone who's presented with a first seizure to ED deserves a CT brain as well. Yep. Um, to make sure there's no major structural abnormality. Like a bleed or a new stroke. Exactly, yeah. So in terms of general management, um, so driving restrictions for someone with a first seizure. So in Victoria, is this Australia-wide? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Victoria, it's six months no driving after your first seizure and 12 months if it happened whilst you were driving. Yep, which is a bit funny, but it makes sense, I think, kind of. Can that be abrogated by a neurologist? I I seem to remember something about six months no driving, but if you rock up to a neurologist, they can shorten it if there was an obvious precipitate or something. Probably, yeah. Probably. Anyway, six months is your blanket what you need to tell them in the ED. Exactly, yeah. Um, and then you've got to give them kind of common sense advice. You know, don't go swimming in the sea by yourself. Don't climb ladders, etc. No just hot baths. Um, try not to use your toaster in the shower whilst whilst you have <laughs> yeah, a seizure. You're going to cut down on efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then do you start them on medications, Rahul? Um, no, generally not. I mean, unless they have status and then you want to... In their, in well, then they need an admission, yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> home with, uh, <laughs> with RDNS follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> Send them to here. Here's an IV poll. Like, just don't push the phenytoin through too fast. <laughs> See ya. Let us know if she has any arrhythmias. Um, uh, yeah, so if there's a, just a routine first seizure, usually not... Um, you don't reduce their chance of admission if you delay that by a few weeks or months. So by that, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't matter for their long-term prognosis whether you start an anti-epileptic NED or, um, you know, a few What are some weeks circumstances where you might whack someone on big D? Uh, <laughs> so if you see like an obvious substrate on their CT, like a big tumor in the temporal lobe, was one of the cases recently i was like you know what let's just start some carbamazepine even then though like i then talked to an epileptologist is like yeah i suppose so like what about dexamethasone in that situation we just kick him on that and oh he had had a vascular abnormality oh okay but that would be a neurosurge question anyway Mm. um but yeah so generally not basically and that be a neurosurge question anyway sorry that's off the track yeah Uh, yeah, generally not you don't usually start them on medications leave that to first seizure clinic which was an australian invention was it? The first seizure clinic. All right. There we go. And that's not common elsewhere, which is hard to imagine for me. It's such a useful clinic. Yeah, as I say, it seems to just make sense that yeah, you yeah. have a first seizure yeah. clinic. Yeah. Um, and then... You should start a second seizure clinic. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's first seizure clinic. We have a second seizure clinic. <laughs> uh, we get this all the time. <laughs> People coming in here with... How hard clinic. is it to understand? We're the second seizure clinic, not the... So sick of these idiots. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, all right. So and then outpatient plan. Outpatient plan. So they need an EEG. And the good thing to remember here, hot tip, is we would re- really appreciate it if you could actually get it while they were in ED. So if you could put them in short stay for a few extra Reasons hours. Reasons where you mean Darvor and I personally <laughs> would appreciate. Strongly believe that. <laughs> so the neurologists um, would really like it if, if we could get an EEG early because the yield is much higher if you mm. get it early. Um, so EEGs, Darvor, useful, not useful? Um, generally useful. Good. <laughs> solid solid backing by double <laughs> yeah it, topic for another podcast maybe but they're not certainly not the all seeing eye they're, they're a very tricky test to interpret and uh, you kind of like when you're reading EEG reports like they're all like laid in code like I don't know how they expect GPs to, to, yeah, to understand like another neurologist or even even a neurologist might know what they're saying another epileptologist knows what they're trying to get from <laughs> the report but someone else probably it's hard to figure out yeah um, I, it's in my opinion for as a non-neurologist is probably the you know the opinion you actually want the hot take um is that if it's positive it's kind of helpful if it's negative i kind of just go about doing what i was doing yeah yeah unless they had a seizure during the EEG yeah, and it's, a, came it's not sensitive right like if you've mm. got a good story for a seizure um just because they've got a normal eeg doesn't mean squat correct and an MRI is very important as well. And there's very, lots of specific kind of protocols. You know, do fine cuts through the hippocampus on coronal views that you only get for seizures. So you've got to actually write on there mm. uh, epilepsy protocol. All right, cool. So that's it. Take home points, Rahul. All right, take these ones home with you. Uh, the first one is the three questions we ask at the start during history or, you know, as we're taking history. And it's like, is this a seizure? Is this a focal or generalized seizure? And why did this happen to me today? Exactly. Oh, God, why, <laughs> why did I have to record this podcast today? Yeah, that's good. Take your history in a chronicle, chronological order, I think. That's just a, I think you should always do that, but particularly in seizures, like it makes so much sense to do it that way. Um, tips for focal versus generalized seizures, Darvel? Uh, so aura and focal onset. Uh, <laughs> focal seizures start with focal onset. Yeah. <laughs> Neurology's hard, guys. Thanks, yeah. buddy. <laughs> so aura being the preceding symptoms yeah, of some of sort seizure, of, Which yeah. is actually the seizure itself. Yeah. And also some post-seeding symptoms known yeah, as really, Todd's paresis. Really, just, I don't know why this is... Time for new, new content. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus content. Uh, Todd's they deserve paresis. a reward. It's now 52 minutes into this podcast. Oh so you deserve the bonus content. So Todd's paresis is when you've got a weakness or paralysis of, of a limb uh, after the seizure, which also indicates focal seizure. Mm-hmm. Temporal lobe epilepsy. So you're very interested in the aura. So deja vu and gastric rising gastric sensation are classic. And then during the seizure, you'll see automatisms, ictal cry and behavioral arrest. And then there's not much of a post-ictal period. Um, juvenile myoclonic epilepsy so you've got your triad that's MCQ gold here that, like, as soon as you see this dropping the weepix story that's in so many questions so you've got your myoclonus you've got your absent seizures and you've got your generalized tonic classes I said should we write some of this stuff down he's like no I'm a neurologist I'll remember that all during the podcast <laughs> <laughs> you know who you're talking to <laughs> uh, yeah and that's and that's often asked, unmasked by schoolies is a great evil in society mm. um, and then finally you got your psychogenic non-epileptic seizures so some hot tips for that if it happens on a train that's actually probably more likely to be a psychogenic non-epileptic <laughs> seizure uh, fluctuating symptoms if they're talking while they've got bilateral motor activity forced eye closure and very long seizures that's more likely to be psychogenic and non-epileptic the reason for that is don't do it you- don't don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right, bye. Bye.